0: Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross-Culture Church in Houston, Texas. All right, today I want to be talking to you about breakthrough and deliverance. Actually, I should say deliverance and consecration. I want to be talking to you about um, these things because these are very important. We've been talking about drawing close to God, being one with Him. Going deeper, remember, as I've been sharing, there's an open invitation from God. It's all throughout scriptures. It's one of the most repeated um, promises and uh, patterns that we see where there's a, a, an, an invitation to come. And, and then the responsibility is put on us to respond. So God's coming to us is the invitation. He comes and gives us an invitation. But then our response depends on how much we're going to get of God. Are we going to accept are we, are we going to pursue? Are we going to go after the Lord? You see, because, again, the invitation is him coming after us. And, and he says, you know, one of those, he goes, I'm knocking at the door. Well, that's the invitation. But then you have to go and you have to open the door. So God doesn't barge in. You have to pursue the Lord. You have to open the door. And God says, if you just open that door, if you will make the effort, I will be there and I will meet with you. And I would say you get pretty much as much as you want from God. You should always want more than you have in that sense. But as long as you're living like that and pursuing God, you're always getting more. And there's always a deeper place to go in God. So if you've become settled, uh, there's something not good about that. You need to recognize there's more for you in God if you want it. You can pursue the Lord. You can encounter God. You can discover him. You can experience him. It's a wonderful thing. There is more if you want it. And you need to whet your appetite for God, for the things of God, to pursue him, to experience him. When all's said and done, you're going to be so thankful that you didn't just spend your life aimlessly running here and there, but you spent your time pursuing God, pursuing the purpose of the Lord, doing the will of God. You see, that is of utmost importance, okay? Now, breakthrough and deliverance, they are so important for us in our walk with the Lord. Now, you don't need a, a deliverance necessary necessarily to serve the Lord and to love the Lord. But you can't experience the fullness of God without deliverance. And I believe in some degree or measure, all of us in some point of our lives need to be delivered from some spiritual forces and powers that have come against us. They might be inside us. They're not in our spirit, man, but they can be in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. The Bible talks about demonic forces in the mind. Paul talks about strongholds in the mind. I believe they're spiritual forces. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. You can have demonic words spoken into your life. Maybe some of you, when you were a child, you had words spoken into your life. Boom, and they hit you so hard. And they've gone with you and had an impact in your life you know, your whole life, those words were spiritual. They were negative, and they're still having an effect on your life. You can be in situations where you've been abused, and the force of what's been imposed upon you um, may go with you for years and years and years if you don't get that thing broken off of your life and if you don't get healed from what you've been through, you see. And these are the things that Jesus wants to do. He doesn't just save us for you know, from not going to hell. He delivers us. He delivers us from stuff we've been in. He delivers us from our shame. He delivers us from junk. And He delivers us from these spiritual forces that are at work against us. And if we don't have this kind of deliverance, we are not experiencing God to the fullest. You might love Him, but God wants to heal you. He wants to set you free, right? So you can experience Him in an even greater measure. Now, I'll give you a really far out example, and that is the example of legion in the Bible. If you remember legion, it's actually the name of a demon or a grouping of demons inside this man. And this guy, he was running around cutting himself. I believe the reason why he's cutting himself, it says, with rocks is because of the torment on the inside. He's trying to get at those things on the inside of him. (laughs) He He doesn't know how to do it. So he's cutting himself with rocks. He's tormented. He's running around screaming. He breaks chains. I mean, it's crazy what's happening. Um, and I'm very I'm familiar with a very uh, modern day story like that. But anyway, um, where, where the person got set free. But anyway, uh, this is what's happening here. And um, now and then, of course, you you see Jesus cast demons out of him. And the the, the grouping of demons they were named Legion. Legion is like a, a group of of soldiers between 4,000 and 6,000. So I don't know if there were 4,000 demons, 5,000. I don't know how many were within that man, but there were a lot. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. Um, What if, if the guy had enough, you know, he was able to pull himself together for enough time for somebody to sit and go through the four spiritual laws with him and lead him to say the, the prayer and give his life to the Lord. And he does that sincerely because he's worshiping the Lord. But he's, but then he leaves, and he's still got all those things on the inside of him. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Do you realize, do you see how there's an encounter with God that he needs on the inside? There's an experience with God. To, to, to be able to experience God in the fullness, he needs to be set free. His love is maybe... And amazing, even before he gets set free. But God wants him to to be set free so he can bring him into a greater level of fullness in life, of experiencing God, of experiencing his fullness in life and what he's been called to do. He wasn't called to live a tormented life. He wasn't called just to say, well, I love God, but I have all these issues. I can't wait until I die, you know, because I know demons won't go with me when I go to heaven. I'll be free. You know, Jesus loves to set us free here and now. And I just want to declare, he wants to set you free from what's plagued you, maybe what's been planted in your heart, in your mind, maybe things from when you're a child, uh, maybe things that you've been through, maybe the effects of sin, you know. But I would say everything that comes to a person that's even against them, it's not necessarily because of their sin or or even really anything they've done sometimes. You know, think about this legion guy. Do you think he sinned 4,000 times worse than somebody else? I seriously doubt it. Did he deserve all those things? I I seriously doubt it. In fact, if if they had a right to be there, then Jesus would not have had a right to have cast them out. Does that make sense? So they're there illegitimately. That's why Jesus has a right to cast them out, right? So um, things are where they are. Oftentimes, we may have opened the door; they, could, they can definitely get there that way too. But I just want to say, things get there however they get there, and we just need to trust God that God will set us free from them. Amen. And I want to encourage you today. There might be some things you're wrestling with, and maybe their thoughts, maybe their attitudes, and sometimes just by correcting those, we get set set free. And sometimes there are spiritual forces that are in our lives that need the power of God to set us free, right? You could have this man, this legion, and again, I'm using the extreme example, but he could have heard the gospel many times and maybe not got gotten set free from the demonic fort- fortress or forces that were on the inside of him. The power of God had to come and deliver him. And we need encounters with the power of God. So... And there are so many dimensions that this can happen in. And uh, I can remember when I first got saved, you know, I was studying about how things can go from uh, generation to generation. And then you, then I would think about people and I'd go, wow, this particular problem in sin was in this family. the Even the granddad and then the dad and then the children. And I'd go, wow, how crazy that was. You know, and you, you could just start to go, wow, look, that... Family has all that working in it. that family's got that thing where you know going from generation to generation to generation and then and then of course as you study you learn about the the things that can run in generations. Why does it work like that? I don't want to even get into that today and I don't even fully understand it all I know is it does happen and I do believe that that people can actually be born with things that they need to be prayed over. you might go well, that ought not to be so i I just believe it is and i and I believe it experientially uh i've <laughs> I've seen many things happen, but anyway, uh, I believe if you study some things in in, in an in-depth way, you'll see that it's true. Now, I just, uh, one of the things that I can remember, um, after I'd been saved just, I guess, a a few years, um, I went and took this couple out, they're 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 Kathy and David Walters, you may have heard of them, Um, they're fairly, well, she's fairly well known now, Um, I don't know how old she'd be now, I don't remember them being young back then. It was about almost forty years ago, <laughs> but I can remember uh, they came to this meeting and the, the pastor goes, "Hey, could you take them out to eat?" And I'm taking them out to eat, and they were just there eating. And and um, one of them, I don't remember which one, says something like, "Hey, was your was your granddad a mason?" And um, and I go. Oh, yeah, I believe he was. And uh, and my grandmother was also in the Eastern Star. And, you know, they're just eating and say, oh, uh, you need some deliverance from that, just eating. And I'm going, oh, really? Yeah, we're going to pray for you when we finish eating. We go outside. I said, oh, okay. You know, so I'm like, oh, you know, and I've, of course I'm familiar with this kind of stuff, but I just thought, man, that's, that's interesting, you know, and I thought it would be more spiritual than that. They're eating, they're telling me this while they're just eating. You know, I thought it would be, you know, the Lord speaking to me, you know. So I remember I remember going out afterwards and I'm like, oh, they're going to pray for. Do you remember this? Uh, You you do. So they go out and they 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 pray for me to break whatever had been transmitted from that, from granddad, and my grandmom, who I loved. I didn't know my granddad because he died before I was born. But um, (laughs) but man, I felt Something just lift off of my life. I mean, just lift off of me. I felt the power of God come on me, and I'm going, man, that's amazing. Something just pulled off of me, and they all they did was plead the blood of Jesus. They canceled whatever that thing was, and I'm going, well, that that was a, an amazing kind of experience. I remember that, and I've had many other similar kinds of experiences. And uh, I guess where I want to what I want to go in this section of what I'm preaching about today is. One of the reasons I want to bring this up is in this, let's say from two or three months ago, I began to pray something a little differently in my life. And I, and I feel like this is not just for me. I, I believe this is a season. So, so um, uh, if, you're, if you're sitting home, you know, you're eating your cereals, just put, it, put that down for a minute and give me all your attention here. Um, this is so important because I believe right now, You need to take this to heart because God wants to bring a new deliverance and he wants you to do your part. So what you need to begin to do is pray this prayer. It's really simple. Jesus taught us to pray it. We don't pray it like we should, but in the, in the Lord's prayer or in his instruction, he gives us a pattern, right? And in that pattern, one of the phrases that's in there is lead us not into temptation Amen. We should pray that every day, no matter how strong you are. You don't know my, what might be coming your way. <laughs> you just, you know what I'm saying? Or what might try to enter in. And then, and then he says, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. So, somehow, like from a few months ago, man, I just started praying, God, deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil. Now, what does it mean when you say that? I, it doesn't mean keep me from sinning. I, I mean... Yes, that was what we just prayed a little before that, deliver, um, lead me away from temptation. But evil is, or bad things. You know the Word of God says in Ephesians that Satan plots and schemes against you. He comes against you. Paul said things like, Satan has hindered me. And then you have Jesus himself having to resist the devil in the wilderness and command him to leave out of his life. You've got him commanding him again. Um, when he shows up through Peter. And think about that. Peter evidently had the gate down. Boom. Here, here comes Satan. He goes, oh, I can use that one. You see how easily he came into his thoughts and he came out of his mouth. He was one, so to speak, if you want to use that expression with the devil at that time, because he was thinking that way and he was influenced by that. Uh, and there was a spiritual force working in and through Peter. He did not even know it. But Jesus was able to see it. What did he do? He resisted it. And he exposed it. He said, no, 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 I'm not giving in to that. You're not going to have any place in my heart or my mind. So this kind of thing, again, there's always this, there's a continual battle that we're in. So when we say, deliver us from evil, it's a very multifaceted thing. And when I pray that, in particular, when I've been praying that recently, I'm thinking there are so many things that can be done. It can be words, it could be spirits, it could be forces in my body, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, it could be um, emotions, it could be attitudes, it could be things that are subtle that the, that make you feel a certain way. It could be things that are on you. It can be things that are resisting you, right? So when you say "deliver me from evil," you can mean so many things. And I just want to encourage you to begin to pray this, and don't pray it just in an abstract way. As I begin to pray. You know, one thing I have learned about prayer is that when you pray flippantly and when you pray half-heartedly, or if you're just giving God a grocery list, it's just not very effective. You've got to enter into it. Your mind needs to be there. Your heart needs to be there. And in fact, I would even say your imagination needs to be there. You need to sort of see God doing uh, what, what you're asking. And you need to, like if you're saying, God, deliver me from evil, you could present yourself And just see yourself like, God, anything there, anything there, God, take it out. God, remove any force opposing me that's been planted in my soul. God, remove anything around me, God, that's come against me, that's opposing me. Anyway, and you you need to, you get into that and you see it, and then you have to believe that it's happening. That's how you connect to the very words that you're praying. You believe that it's happening, right? So, Now, if I just pray and I'm not believing that it's happening, I'm just giving God a grocery list, right? So I have to get into it and pray sincerely. And then the Bible says I have to believe when I pray that God that I receive what I am asking for. So I know I'm praying in the will of God. I know it's God's will to deliver me from any forces, any woundedness, any kind of pain, whatever I might have in my soul. He wants to deliver me. So when I pray that prayer, I'm sincere, and I'm also expecting God to do it. I know He's going to do it because He said He would, and I have to engage that knowledge when I pray. Are y'all with me? I hope y'all are understanding what I'm saying and connecting with it. Now, if you will pray like that, I guarantee you, if you will enter into that and pray that prayer with God, God is going to deliver you of who knows what. God will move things out of your way that have been hindering your life. God will break things off of your heart and your mind. It's going to be amazing what's going to happen. I begin to pray this and man, God began to show up in an unusual way. And I mean, I could explain some of the experiences I've had in my prayer walk when i have just be praying this and, um, like three or four major, to me, I'm calling them, one of them definitely like super major, like, wow, that's amazing. You know, uh, just to see if one time it's almost like I felt like a, just a lid, boom, got removed. And um, I'm going, this is just amazing. And, of course, I'm saying, why, didn't, why haven't I been praying like this, you know, forever? I believe the Lord's led me into focusing on that. I wasn't even thinking about it. Just It was just coming out of me in my prayer life. But I want to encourage you right now. This is for you. This is your season. This is your time. God wants to uproot and tear out anything in your life where the enemy has come in to weigh you down, to bring you down, to, to use something against you, to, to bring whatever against you that He can. Maybe He planted it when you were little. Maybe he put something in your, maybe you've had a pattern of something your whole life. God wants to break that. And all you have to do is ask them, and don't let go until it happens. I can remember when this stuff was happening recently and I'm going, man, is, this has to have been happen, happening simply because I've been asking God for it. There's no other reason for this kind of thing to be happening. You, you see what I mean? <laughs> and I just believe it's the way of life. We're in a warfare all the time, right? And I believe we should always keep this in mind. Now, I want to... I want to back up just a little bit because to, for me, for deliverance to work, there has to be a good foundation in your life, right? Uh, you, ever, you ever hear where Jesus like, he'd, he set somebody free and he'd say, go and sin no more, lest something worse happen to you. You know, lest these things all come back, remember? And Jesus said, when, something, when a demonic force goes out, and it's all clean. If Christ doesn't fill the seat, guess what? He brings seven of his friends and comes back, right? So we want to make sure we have a good foundation in our lives. So from that good foundation, what happens? We grow in our deliverance. We grow in freedom. You don't get saved, and and you might be, like, let's say, free from sin. You're not going to sin anymore, but you still have things you're wrestling with, right? We are growing in the knowledge of God. We're growing in liberty. God and the Holy Spirit is it's, hes coming in and filling up every part of our emotions. Our mind is being renewed unto God. And places where the enemy has taken, guess what? We get that renewed. Our spirit man is born again when we get saved. There's nothing wrong there whatsoever. But our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions need to be renewed. They need to have the enemy driven out. And God put in. Some people say that the Old Testament example, where Israel was actually going to the Promised Land, they were what possessing their land with faith. Some have said, you know what? When we get saved, what do we begin to do? We begin to possess our land in faith and drive the enemy out of it. Amen. But anyway, so you need to have you need to have a core foundation in your life that allows deliverance to happen. Where it is continual, where the, where you are not in a state of of half-hearted devotion to the Lord, but where you are serving God with all your heart, right? Um, I, I've had a I had a situation once where it wasn't too long ago. Well, maybe it is when you get older. You know, you. Like, I was only ten years ago. You know, um. <clears throat> but I had this situation. Someone called and. And uh, wanted me to pray for um, their grown-up son, and or something like that. Anyway, uh, this person was d- demonized in a major way. It wasn't like some kind of little emotional. I mean, these were like crazy demonic things happening. I mean, I won't get into all of that stuff, but man, that that what it, that thing or that grouping of things came out that day. I mean, it was it was dramatic. I mean, and he was enough in his right mind that he was like sort of blown away, and at what God had done for him, he got so set free, that thing was gone, and um, the guy started started coming to church, you know, started serving the Lord, and then he started dropping off from church, he, he started coming a lot less to church, started, you know, started um, sort of slacking off, and the first, you know, weeks turn into months, I guess, and he, you know, first thing I know, uh, people are starting to be concerned about him. And, uh, and of course I'm going, that's bad news. That's bad. He starts getting back in the same kind of stuff he was in before and boom, stuff happens. It all comes back. And man, and then I'm called and I was like, Hey, can you help? I don't know how to explain this, but I just felt no grace to help. I'm going, I don't, I don't sense any grace to help. I don't know what to do here, but I don't feel like I can help you. I don't. And that sounds bad, but I'm just saying you need to be careful that when you that when you are living for the Lord, you need to have a good foundation in your life of commitment to God, commitment to God. Now, I want to read some things that just help you help us with this, because this is something we all need to do. I was sharing with our Zoom group a little earlier this morning that, um, you know, how it looks like some things are happening in the earth that are going to bring the fear of God in a pretty major way. You know, so there are times when we all go, oh, wow, I need to make sure, oh, Lord, may I have everything right? I don't want anything wrong with you. But truthfully, we ought to live lives that way, right? Okay. Let me just give you some scriptures, give you some thoughts for you to consider today, and I want to encourage you to press into this. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. What does it mean? What does that mean? It means put God in a special place in your heart as Lord over all things. Now, how do you do this? This means in whatever you're walking through in life, you're submitting it to God. You're going, oh, oh, here's the opportunity. But then you go, but God, what is your will? But God... It's all about you, Lord. What is your will? You see, I don't just run after stuff. It says sanctify God. It means continually put God as Lord over all things, over all your decisions, over all your steps, over everything that comes your way. You're continually putting Christ as Lord there. And then that also begins to grow as you as you grow in the Lord. You begin to go, hmm, you know what? This thought, I shouldn't be thinking like that. That's not godly. And then we realize that's the pattern of life. Sometimes we begin to excuse that. and Like we can begin to gossip because we feel like gossiping. Or we can slander because we've grown up with a lifestyle of slandering. And then we begin to see, you know what, that's not right. Maybe, maybe one of our friends goes, you shouldn't be saying things like that. We should be you know, of, of a different kind of mind about other people and not be pulling them down. Da, da, da. Well, every time that happens and we realize our life is out of kelter with God, we have to go, you know what? Jesus is Lord. God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. You know, I like to say things like that, but it's wrong. It's in my flesh. I, I enjoy it, but God is wrong, right? So what are we doing? We're sanctifying him as Lord. So first thing today, you need to think of, have I put God as Lord over everything, all of my decisions, everything I'm doing, or have I just categorized him in certain areas? He needs to be Lord of everything, sanctify him, Set him apart as Lord over everything. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Whenever we live our lives in an unconsecrated way, when there are areas in our hearts that we have not set apart Jesus as Lord, where we're sort of like, well, you know, we're opening the door to the devil to come in. It might feel good. We might enjoy doing it. But what we're doing is we're opening a door for demonic power to come in. Remember, give no foothold to the devil. Don't crack the door. Don't have any area of your life that you are unwilling to submit to the lordship of Jesus because I guarantee you that's like a big red flashing light to the devil. He's looking at it and he's laughing because he realizes that's your weakness and that's exactly where he, he can come in because you're already blind there in some degree. He can so easily come in there and deceive you sometimes you don't feel what God says at all. You just need to trust what he says and do what he says. Eve did not feel what God said at all that day when the serpent was talking to her. But if she had just said, oh, I so want to do that. But you know what? I'm going to trust God. This looks like the better decision. Man, it looks so smart. And it, man, it looks delicious. It's amazing. But you know what? I'm going to trust God. First of all, I'm going to just back up. Don't start looking at stuff too much. If you focus on something too much, you've already lost right there. Your imagination is so powerful. Don't allow any picture of anything there. Don't even wrestle with it there. Just get it out of your mind. Don't even, you know what I mean? So, so many people start wrestling with the idea of the apple in their mind or whatever fruit, she, you know, wrestle with the idea. Oh, I'm not going to do it. Oh, it looks so good, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm not going to, don't, oh, d- 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 you know, oh, um, I don't want to, I don't want to see it as looking in You got it in your mind. Oh, I'm, and you're looking at the apple and going, oh, but I'm not going to see that as good. No, don't even think about it. Get it out of your mind and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. I hope you are connecting when your life with what I'm saying here. James says this: Submit to God, resist the devil, and guess what he'll do? He'll flee from you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now we all know what "cleanse your hands, your sinners" means, right? Hey, stop sinning. Wash your hands. Clean yourself. You make the responsibility. You take the responsibility to do that. You go to God. You clean your hands and you live right, okay? God will cleanse you. You have to ask for forgiveness, but you have to stop doing it. But then he says this, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What is a double-minded person? Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that want to serve God, and they want everything that they can get in the world too. That is a double-minded person. They want to get as much of this as they can. You know, it's like, oh, how much, how far can I go? And it's still okay with God. How much can I do? And it's still okay with God. Oh, how you see, that kind of mindset will always make you vulnerable. And he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. You want to serve God, but you want to do that too. You want to serve God, but you, you, you make all these other concessions and compromises in your life. You are double-minded. And the Bible says, how do you fix the double-mindedness is through... um purifying your heart, right? You purify your heart. So he says, he says, um, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Satan's lie is you can serve God and still do that other stuff too, that God understands we're all just fallible people. We're all, you know, that's just, and God's like, no. And In fact, Elijah talked about double-mindedness in the Old Testament, and he says, either serve God or don't. You know, serve him with everything, or why don't you just go serve Baal if he's God, right? But it's like quit limping on your two divided, on your divided heart, right, In your divided opinions. John 2:15 says this: Don't love the world or the things in the world. Think about that right there. See, we don't think about scriptures like this. You know, I was just hearing today. I don't know if it's true, but so many words coming out about so much trouble happening in the church world today. It just shocked me. And I'm going, I hope it's not true, right? I, I hope this has not happened. Um, but but you see, when you allow certain things to start coming, in, coming into your mind, when you allow certain things to, to start influencing you, and you allow yourself to have an affection for things that you're not supposed to have an affection for, like the things of this world. You see, look, there's nothing wrong with, things of this world. What's wrong is a love of the things of this world. You, you see, there's nothing wrong with money, for example. It's the love of money. But but that doesn't mean we should just say, oh, oh, that means we don't even have to think about that. No, because the love of money, the love of things, the love of this world is a very real issue and problem that every single one of us have to be concerned about, and we have to be vigilant, we have to be watching and make sure these things do not take any place in our hearts so that we can be in the world and yet not be led by the world or follow the world or be influenced by the world. Be free from these things. So he says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Wow. And then he says this, for the world is passing away, and the desires for all the things of the world is passing away. But the one who does the will of the Lord is going to live forever. Now, this is so interesting to me. All these things that we think are so important, that, that the world makes important, that Hollywood makes important, that our culture makes important, everything we just wish we had, all the people that we follow and look up to, all that stuff, it's all going to be gone one day. Some people, everything they've lived their whole lives for, gone one day. You can't carry it with you. But not only that, in eternity, it's like it's, that's not even there. Not only that, it says the desires for those things are going to be gone too. I mean, even if a person looks is able to look back, they're not going to go. Hey, I really made it in life, you know. I could have done, but at least I made it. You know, everybody was looking up to me. They're going to go. Man, I cannot believe I wasted my life. Even the desires for those things. They're going to look back and go, what was I thinking? That was the most stupid thing to waste my whole life running after those things that don't fulfill. Why make a focus on those things? Now, let me back up and just say, God wants you to do well. I believe you should try to do well. You should try to do well in life. You should try to increase. But I'm just, what I'm saying here is, God wants you to be free from it. If you do well financially, you better make sure you're a big giver. You need to have a kingdom thing that's bigger than your business thing. If you you do well in any area of life, if you have a position of power, you better make sure you're using that power for the Lord and it's submitted to God and that you're not being puffed up by it. You, You see, whatever you do in this life, the Bible says, do it all as unto the Lord. Amen. Whatever you do, whatever your position is, Wherever you're going, do well. Serve the Lord. Continue to believe God to bless you. But you better honor God and put Him over all things. And like Corey Tim Boone said one time, never hold on to anything too tightly. Whatever you have, wherever you are, never hold on too tightly. And the way she said it is, because it won't hurt so badly when God says, let it go. You see, because God's more after your heart than anything else. That's the biggest blessing you'll ever have is the right heart before God. Paul said this in Philippians 2.8, I count all things as rubbish that I might gain Christ. He is saying, I have an attitude toward the stuff of this world so that I might gain Christ. His attitude of not esteeming this stuff too much was necessary for him to have Christ and He's saying, no amount of money, no amount of power, no amount, no no great opportunity, um, no great status, nothing of this even compares with knowing Christ and walking with Him. And so I have this mindset so that I might know Him and know the power of His resurrection. Now. I think this is so powerful. You see, God wants to bless us with things, but you don't need to be fixated on that. He says, if you seek the kingdom first, everything you need is going to come. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be taken care of better than you could imagine. And you're going to enjoy your life so much more, right? But he never wants you to run after those things and make them the first thing of life. I mean, why waste your life like that? And then, after he goes, This is my mindset. This is how I live. In comparison with Christ, all this stuff is rubbish. It's like nothing. I don't need, it's no, no competition. I'll lay down whatever that I might know him more, that I might go forward. And I believe that was the key to, to his always having the power of God with him. But then he says this later in that verse he says, You should all have this mind too. But there are some of you. I tell you now, even weeping who are enemies of the cross who set their minds on earthly things. I like that he uses the word earthly there because every time you use the word worldly, we think, oh, he's talking about going out and drinking and partying. And da-da-da. No, he says earthly now. He's talking about just the things of this life. They set their minds on just the things of this life. Man, that's really powerful. What he's saying here is, if, you're, if your mind is just about the things of this life, it is inevitable that you're not going to have the fullness of Christ in your life. It can't happen. Because you're filled with the things of this world. And there's another verse in Colossians where it says, fix your, th- your mind not on the things of this earth, but on the things of God, on the things of heaven. I mean, we have to make a decision to disengage sometimes and to, to make God our priority. And some of you may have been doing this for so long, it's a stronghold in your life, and you're recognizing, you know what, I've been thinking about this world and the things of this world too much. I need to, I need to pull away from that. I need a time of getting that out of my system And I need to devote my life to God. I need to devote my thinking to the Lord. I need to press into this. And I need to begin to experience God more. But anyway, he goes, these people, I tell you, I'm weeping about them. They set their mind on earthly things. Man, and why is he weeping? He's weeping because he's thinking of their condition. And I'll tell you, there's so many times when somebody has, I've been around people who've done this in a major way. They have forfeited the call of God on their lives, forfeited God's purpose on their life, forfeited where they would be going if they were following the Lord for just because they want to think about just make their focus this life. They can't pull away from that. They want to have both things. They're double minded. They'll say they love the Lord, and there's a part of them that loves the Lord, but they're double minded. They won't pull out of the world. They still want the world too. You can't have both. It won't work that way. You'll never fulfill your call that way. You know, there's, a, there's another story of this, of a man named Demas. Paul says this in um, 2 Timothy 4. He says, Demas has forsaken me. Now, Demas was a worker with Paul, and so they went places together. Demas was serving together. Demas, no doubt, had a gift from God. He was no doubt being used of God in the ministry. You know, and uh, he's there helping Paul. And Paul says, as he's writing to Timothy, he's telling him what happened to Demas. And he says, Demas left having loved this present world. He left having loved this present world. What's he talking about? This present world. All the things that this world has to offer that he could focus on and go get rather than putting Christ first. And I will tell you, sometimes putting Christ first is a sacrifice. Sometimes it's a pain. Sometimes it is difficult. But you know what? Paul went through all those times. And what did he say? I consider this pain like... I mean, he went through some um, trials. You guys, I mean, a lot worse than anything we've been through. And then he says something like this. I consider all this pain like light momentary affliction in comparison to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And he says, not only that, but he goes, this stuff we're going through is actually working this out for us. In other words, he's going anything where you suffer and lay down in this life it's going to be returned back to you somehow or some way and the glory of it is going to be amazing and he's going the payback that we're going to have for, for our sacrifice and what we've done i mean it makes it like you mean i'm going to be blessed this much just for laying that down demon had demon demas i called him demon demas had no idea what he was missing out on for eternity. Why would you why would you forfeit a eternity of glory and reward and, and blessing for temporal pleasure for a few years? I mean, you ever think about the difference between a few years and eternity? There's a huge difference. I mean, there's no time in heaven. I don't even understand how to, I can't conceptualize that. But I just think, you know, if we want to use time a thousand years from now, if you want to say that, if you can look back, th- I mean, you're talking about this little something, you go, oh, how about, how about a million years from now? Oh, yeah, you remember that, uh, you know, 80 years that I was alive? Now, um, oh, yes, yes, I, I remember it really clearly. I mean, just think about that. It's like nothing. Okay, so uh, lastly, let me, let me just mention a really good testimony, you know, and that one is with Moses. Moses, it says, in fact, we could give more than just Moses. There are others. But Moses is a great example. It says of Moses in Hebrews 11, 26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. Now, I want you to think about this phrase and the way it's written. And what he's saying is, it's showing that Moses went to a place where he had to judge. And he's thinking through things because it says he considered, he esteemed, he's weighing things. And he's going, as, he, as he's growing, he's growing in the palace. You Remember, he was Pharaoh's daughter's son. He grew up like that. And he had everything. He's got all the money. He's got all the fame. He's got the position. He's got the title. He's got the name. Uh, he's got the right clothes. He's got the right chariot and the right horses, right? He's got everything. And, um... He's got the the best education you can get. So um, he's got a future laid up for him, a position that he's going to be able to come into, right? And so he's in this situation, and as as he's growing up, something begins to work on the inside of him. And then he gets to this point where he realizes, wait a minute, to be with God, I've got to be over there. And when I go over there, I've got to be willing to lay all this down. I have to let go of all of it. I don't know if there was a season of wrestling that he went through. But ultimately, what does Moses do? He esteemed the reproach of Christ. I would rather be with God, with, identified with the slaves, identified in that situation with the Jewish people. I would rather be with God and with all the reproach and whatever negative, whatever difficulty that I might have with that, than having all these riches that are laid up for me. You know, it's been said that it's easier for God to trust somebody who doesn't have very much than to trust somebody that's been blessed. And I understand that. And so it really impresses me. Here's a man with everything that says, I'll lay it all down. To be like a slave, I will accept whatever ends up. And he took those steps not knowing how it was going to end up, and he probably made some bad decisions along the way, right? We all know about that, but but what's he saying to himself? You see, he wasn't excusing then, oh, you know what, but I can stay up here, you know, who knows, God will use me, I'll just be praying. He knew in his heart he needed to go in that direction, God's knocking. And God's saying, if you'll answer the door, I'll meet with you in a new way and I'll use you. And let me just say this. Whatever you lay down for the Lord, that impresses God. If you do that from your heart, it impresses God. And God says, whatever you lay down for me, you're going to get back many fold. You go, oh, they all know it's in the Bible. Whatever you lay down for his sake, you'll get it back many times over. You see, Moses laid something down but it touches God's heart. Oh, look, he laid all that down. I can trust that man. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had called Moses to be a deliverer, but you know when he was qualified? He was qualified when he laid everything down to be where God was. That's powerful, isn't it? You see, when you're willing to go, you know what, I won't put God over anything I could get in this world. Yes, I want to do well. Yes, God's given me a dream. But even your dreams, sometimes you have to lay them on the altar and go, God, you gave me this dream. I love to make it happen. I love to flourish in it. But God, let me just say, it, I put it on the altar. It's yours. I'm willing to let go of it anytime to do your will. You see what I'm saying? God loves for us to do that. So how are we supposed to walk in life? You know, I just, you, you know, we need to hear things that cause us to be alert and aware of the way we should live. Again, I am just hearing things today that I hope aren't true, and I'm going, God, how do people get off course? How do people get so far off course and start doing crazy things? It happens from getting off the foundation of having your life dedicated and consecrated to God and valuing Christ over all other things, putting him Lord over every area of your heart, sanctify him as Lord in your heart, and just yielding yourself to him. So, okay, so that's the first step today. I want to ask you if that's, in fact, all of us need, we all have to go and brush up on things. So today, um, I want just to encourage you to have like a time where you just like, just say this to the Lord. I hope you do it every day. I hope every day you go before the Lord and you're going, God, everything's yours. God, I just want to serve you, Lord. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I hope you do that every day. In case you don't, we'll do it together in just a minute. And I want to encourage you to make that a habit and submit every part of your life to the Lord. And then secondly, um, I want you to begin to pray um, every day. Uh, unless you don't want to break through, maybe you don't need a breakthrough, But otherwise, I want you to begin to pray every day, God, deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil that's been planted inside here in my soul, my emotions, my heart, my mind. Deliver me from evil opposing me. Deliver me from evil in my home. Deliver me from... Deliver us from evil. In fact, he says, pray, deliver us from evil, right? So let's begin to walk out those two things. I believe you're going to be amazed at God's faithfulness to deliver you, to change you, and to bring you somewhere amazing. Your transformation might, might not look like legions, but I bet it's going to be pretty great. Amen. Well, just pray with me. And uh, if you're at home, just mouth this with your word. You can speak out loud if you want. But, but just enter into this. And we're going to pray a prayer of consecration. Which is just what we should always do. And then we're going to ask God. Um, to deliver us. Oh, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Lord, we thank you for the work of Jesus. God, we are so thankful for that. And Lord, we want to make this real. God, we want to connect with you beyond the mind. Uh, yes, with the mind, but beyond that, with our hearts. And God, from the depths of who we are today. Lord, we pray. Hear our prayer, God. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us to walk this thing out. Help us, God, to lay down what's not of God. Help us, Father, to be honest with ourselves, Lord, and deal with issues where you may have already been speaking to us. But God, in our minds, we've been wrestling with things. God, we pray for the grace of God to lay down what you want us to lay down, to pick up what you want us to pick up. And Lord, as an act of of submission to your will today, we come to you and say, God, here are our hearts. And each of us pray, God, here's my heart today, it's yours, God. Lead me in what you want me to do, Lord. I put Jesus as Lord over everything, and God, if anything's out of alignment, Lord, straighten that up. I know you're able, Lord, I'm weak. I don't think I can do it, God, by myself, but Lord, I trust in you. Help me, God, walk this thing through. Help me to do it. Lord, my eyes aren't on me to be able. My eyes are on you to give me grace to do it. So, Lord, I'm pulling on you now. Help me to make the right decisions. Help me to make the right steps. Help me to do what needs to be done in this hour of my life to go forward. I ask this now in Jesus name. Now, Lord, right now, Lord, I don't know what might be in me. I don't know what might be opposing me. But, Lord, I know I live in a very spiritual world. Lord, we live in a very spiritual world. There are spiritual forces all around. And Ephesians, you told us, they're always attacking us. They're plotting. They're trying to bring us down. They're, they're trying to bring us into temptation or to resist us or to hinder us, to lie to us, to deceive us. God, I I just pray, and we just pray this morning according to your will. And we say this in Jesus' name. God deliver me God deliver me deliver me from any evil in my soul deliver me from any any demonic thing in my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, deliver me from any force of a lie, anything I've submitted to, anything that I've been subjugated to, Father, that, that's not of God, That ha- there's a residue of it, God, deliver me from it in Jesus' name, God, deliver me from things that have been my li- in my life I don't even know about, I don't even know what they are forces may have come from my family. Maybe I was born with them. God, I don't know. I'm just saying, God, deliver me from evil in Jesus' name. Come and meet with me. Come and pour your power out on me. God, I know this is your will. I'm asking today. I'm believing with all faith. I'm seeing it being done even right now. And God, deliver me from evil on the outside, evil that would oppose me, evil that would stand in front of me, evil that would try to get me on the wrong track, evil that that would lie to me, evil that would use people to try to divert me off the path of God. Father, deliver me from evil in Jesus' name. God, I claim this now. I claim you working on my behalf. I claim your deliverance. I claim your help. God, bring me to where I need to be. I thank you, God. My eyes are on you. They're not on me. And I know, I know that I know. You're going to do exactly like I asked because you love to answer that prayer. So Lord, I thank you now. And God, I'm going to hold on to you and my faith is going to be connected to you every day until I see major breakthroughs. And Father, right now, we just pray for the body of Christ at large. Our church, our church at Cross Culture and Father, other churches and this nation. Father, we just pray right now In Jesus' name, you deliver us from evil. Things that have been planted in the church, demonic doctrines, demonic things, things that have been planted. Father, things that are there that just need to be swept out. Father, deliver us from evil. Lord, let this be an amazing season of going forward in the body of Christ, in our church, and in our individual lives. In Jesus' name, amen.